How's it going, Pokemon fans? And yes, we are back with yet another episode talking about the anime, which seems to be a very common topic on this podcast, considering I talked about Ash's Pokemon, his best and worst battles respectively, and not too long ago, his companions. But today, I'm going to be talking about another group of characters that has to do with Ash, his rivals. Ash had many rivals during the course of the anime. Some of them are great and still talked about to this day, while some are questionable. Let's put it that way. <laughs> In this episode, I'm going to rank most of Ash's rivals from worst to best. These rivals will be judged based on their personalities, development, and how much of an impact they left not just to Ash, but the anime as a whole. The reason I said most of Ash's rivals is because not every rival will be included. The ones I won't include are the following. Casey, Tobias, Virgil, Kiawe, Cross, and B. I never saw Casey as a rival because most of her screen time was showing her obsess over baseball. I mean, she is referred to as a baseball fanatic. Tobias is nothing but a fucking troll who only existed just so Ash can lose the Sinnoh League. Enough said. Virgil never battled Ash despite all that builds up for the Unival League. God, that was fucking pointless. I know I said Kiawe acted as a pseudo-rival, but I see him more as a companion, and Cross was only relevant in the 20th Pokemon movie, which of course, isn't canon. As for B, even though she did fight Ash a couple of times, I feel like she didn't appear as much to be considered a rival, but rather a strong gym leader. Besides, if I include B, then that'll mean I'll have to include Karina, Raihan, Leon, and it's not worth it. As usual, whatever I say is just my opinion, so if you think a certain rival should be ranked higher or lower, that's fine. Though I'm curious to hear who you think should be defended. <laughs> I'm Eric from Geeks Crossing, and these are Ash Ketchum's rivals ranked from worst to best. Number 19, Trip. The worst rival, in my opinion, is Trip. This shouldn't surprise anyone because he originates from the infamous Black and White series. But he's not just any rival, he's Ash's main rival of that series. And they don't even try to hide that he's basically Paul 2.0. He belittles Ash, defeats him in almost every battle they had, and believes strength is what's most important. Bro, this is fucking Paul, but worse. And the way his arc ended felt rushed and half-assed. I'm done talking about Trip. He fucking sucks, and I'm so glad we're never seeing him again. Number 18. Cameron. Oh god. You guys already know how much I hate this guy, but for any new listeners out there, I'll explain. He's absent-minded, forgetful, and very, very idiotic. A few examples I can name without question was when he thought you needed 7 badges to enter the Pokemon League, or when he thought the Unival League was being held in the Johto region. Or, most infamously, bringing 5 Pokemon to a full 6 on 6 battle. Yeah, this guy's a mess. I don't know what the fuck the writers were thinking making Ash lose to this idiot instead of battling slash losing to Virgil. The only reason I put Cameron above Trip is because at least him and Ash had a good friendship all things considered. But that isn't enough to excuse how bad of a character they made this guy. Number 17. Trevor. As much as I love the X and Y series, I'd be lying if I said Trevor was a good rival, because he's not. Seriously, all this kid did was take pictures and lose to Ash every time they battled. And I get it, they wanted him to be like his game counterpart, where he was only interested in photography and completing the Pokédex, but they didn't have to make him so pathetic. What put Trevor this low for me was the fact that they gave him a Mega Charizard Y, 
only to get quickly swept by Awan in the first round of the Kalos League. Losing to Awan isn't the issue though. It's the fact that he was given one of the best Megas from the games, and it felt like a fucking waste. This only showed us that Trevor doesn't deserve a Mega, and further cements him as one of the weakest rivals Ash has ever had. Number 16. Bianca. It's funny. I was going to rank Bianca lower because I think her anime counterpart is god-awful. Unlike Bianca in the games where she learns to be a more competent person, this Bianca did nothing but cry, act very eccentric, and most infamously, she kept knocking Ash into a water fountain in every episode she was featured in. Seriously, I cringed every time I saw Bianca act all bubbly and threw hissy fits. However, there's only one reason why Bianca isn't ranked in the bottom three, and that's how they handled the whole conflict between her and her father. Yes, for as shitty as the black and white series was, they at least handled that moment well, and she did somewhat improve before it was time for the Unival League. Nonetheless, I really couldn't stand Bianca in the anime. Number 15. How? What a miserable fuck they made this guy into. You guys know I'm not the biggest fan of Hal, but it was interesting to see him in the anime as a late rival. Only, he barely appeared at all during the Sun and Moon series. Which is why I ranked him this low. Seriously, he only appears for one episode, disappears until the Alola League arc, then gets cheated out of a victory not only by derpy-ass Rowlet, but his own grandfather. Come on, that's a little fucked up. Because they made Hal even more insignificant than he was in the games, is no reason why he's in the bomb 5. Number 14. Stefan. Time to talk about Ash's best unit arrival. Then again, he's from the Black and White series, so it's not really worth celebrating. <laughs> but to be honest, I did like what they did with Stefan conceptually. We all assumed he was going to be one of those random quote-unquote characters of the day, until he returned for those mini-tournament arcs, revealing that he's indeed another Ash rival. Sadly, this guy annoyed me, and it's not just because of his over-eagerness and competitive nature, but the way they forced that stupid gag where everyone mispronounced his name, which they don't even try to hide that it's copied straight from the gag with Biff. <laughs> the writers must have realized how redundant this gag was getting, so when it was time for the Unival League, they acted like that gag never happened. If you ask me, it shouldn't have happened in the first place, but at least they made Stefan much more calmer and tactical, which made his battle with Ash the only enjoyable battle from the League. Either way, I'm still not a big fan of this guy. Number 13. Tyson. Next we have the only other rival Ash made for the Hoenn League. The reason I ranked Tyson this low is for one simple reason. He's way too generic. Really, I don't see anything grand or special about this guy other than having a Meowth that looks like Puss and Boost from Shrek 2. To be honest, I think that's the only thing people remember from this guy. Still, I will give Tyson credit for being a strong trainer as shown in his early matches, and of course, his battle with Ash, which he not only defeated Ash, but won the entire Hoenn League. So I'll cut Tyson a little bit of slack for being the league winner. Other than that, he's just very generic in my opinion. Number 12. Nando. Now this guy's an interesting case, because if you watch the Diamond and Pearl series, you will know that Nando serves as a pseudo-rival for both Dawn and Ash, and by that I mean, he was a coordinator who not only loved competing in Pokemon contests, but also enjoyed Pokemon battling, yet he had trouble deciding on which goal works for him. That is until he battled both Dawn and Ash, they decided to compete in both the Sinnoh Grand Festival and Sinnoh League respectively. I thought that was pretty cool because we never had a character that actively collected contest ribbons and gym badges at the same time. Except every time he appeared, it was always for a contest, where he more often than not, upstaged Dawn. It wasn't until the Sinnoh League when he realized, Oh yeah, he was collecting gym badges too. 
Granted, I did enjoy the battle he had with Ash, but it felt like an afterthought because these two only battled once, and that was in the beginning of Diamond and Pearl. Still, I gotta give Nando credit, he knows how to keep a calm demeanor even when he's under pressure, and the way he makes music is beyond impressive. Overall, I do like Nando conceptually, but calling him an Ash rival feels generous if anything. Number 11. Conway. This placement might be the most debatable, especially when you stop to ask yourselves, Hold on, Conway the Creep is one of Ash's rivals? To an extent, yes. I mean, he does have the same problem with Nando, coincidentally they both share the same voice actor, and that is most of his appearances revolve around Dawn, whether it was the Hard Home Tag Battle Tournament or Professor Rowan's summer camp, Conway was always there to either help Dawn or creep her out. Mostly the latter. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely weird to see Conway compete in the Sinnoh League, but after watching his battle with Ash, I can see why. This guy knows how to analyze and come up with the perfect counter strategies, but there was one mistake Conway made during the battle, and that was underestimating Ash and his unpredictability, which cost him the battle. Overall, Conway may be a creep, but he was interesting for the most part. Besides, there's another rival on this list that does a better job at being the analytical type. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Number 10, Richie. We're now in the top 10, and to start us off, we have Richie, aka Ash 2.0. If you watch the original series, then you know what I mean. Despite being introduced late into the Indigo League, him and Ash quickly became friends. Except their battle was horrible, and it still irritates me to this day. Not long after, Richie lost his next match, only making the league's top 8. But unlike Ash, who was very bitter about his loss, Richie retained his dignity and accepted defeat, which is why Richie is ranked this high. In a way, Richie conveyed the message that winning isn't everything, as long as you had fun. So without Richie, Ash probably would have acted like a miserable fuck every time he lost the league. Sadly, Richie felt shafted afterwards. Yeah, he appeared a few times in Johto, where he and Ash promised to have a rematch in the Johto League, which never happened. And of course, a few times in Chronicles. But other than that, nothing. And it's a shame too because I know a lot of people want to see Ash get revenge by defeating Richie in a fair battle. Then again, the Advanced Generation series, and by extension, the Diamond and Pearl series, have shown how much Ash has improved, so including Richie wouldn't make sense anymore. Still, Richie's impact is what mostly earns him a spot in the top 10. Number 9. Harrison. Some of you might be confused about why I ranked Harrison this high. Because he only appeared for the Johto League. Yeah, that's true. But the way Harrison was handled is what I mostly loved about him. Unlike the other rivals Ash made in both Kanto and Johto, Harrison originated from Hoenn, a region Ash wasn't familiar with at the time. And he wasn't a pushover, as shown when he battled and caught the wild Sneasel that caused mayhem before the league. And having a freaking Blaziken for his ace, that only made Harrison feel like another obstacle Ash had to overcome. And sure enough, he was, because these two ended up facing each other in the quarterfinals of the Johto League. Even though Ash tried his best, Harrison emerged victorious. I know, it sucks, but it does make sense. At the end of the day, Harrison had more experience and he was using Pokemon Ash has never seen before. But that's not to say Ash didn't impact Harrison too. Because after fighting Charizard, Blaziken was too injured for Harrison to use in the next round, which contributed his loss in the semifinals. This goes to show what kind of person Harrison is. He'd rather lose after trying his best than continue to see any of his Pokemon get harmed. Another reason why I love Harrison is because he inspired Ash to visit Hoenn and take on their league, which served as the perfect segue to the Advanced Generation series. So yeah, Harrison may have simply been Ruby and Sapphire promotion, but he did a great job for setting up the future. 
Number 8, Barry. Fun fact for those who are new listeners, I'm not the biggest fan of Barry. His outbursts and constant urge to find people easily got on my nerves. And in the anime, he's almost worse because they made him a Paul fanboy. No joke. Every time he and Ash battled, he would always mention Paul and how he and him are apparently on the same skill level. It wasn't until the Sinnoh League where he finally got the chance to battle Paul, only to quickly get demolished. Oof. Despite that, the reason Barry is ranked this high is because he at least does a good job at being a secondary rival to Ash during the Diamond and Pearl series. Something that I wish they handled better with Nando, and maybe Conway to an extent. Not to mention the Twin Leaf Festival arc finally giving us insight on Barry's character. Especially when they introduce his father, Palmer, who, like in the games, is part of Sinnoh's battle frontier. And because of his father's reputation, Barry feels the need to be just as powerful as him, which is another reason why he looks up to strong trainers like Paul. But unlike his role model, Barry does deeply care for his Pokemon, even though he doesn't show it as much. Don't get me wrong, I'm still iffy towards Barry. However, in terms of being a secondary rival, he does a good enough job. Number 7. Tierno. Next up, we have Ash's first Kalos rival, Tierno, who finds himself ranked much higher compared to his buddy Trevor. Just like his game counterpart, Tierno has dreams of forming a Pokemon dance team, but unlike the games, the anime actually made better use of that goal by having Tierno be the master of his own unique battle style that involves dancing. I know, that sounds fucking stupid, but it worked. Especially when Ash had trouble figuring out how to break his rhythm and replicate it at one point. For the most part, he was a great rival for the beginning of X and Y. The reason I say beginning is because once Sawyer and Alon enter the picture, Tierno gets kinda shafted if anything. But even when he's no longer Ash's main Kalos rival, that doesn't mean he's not a weakling as he continued to prove from time to time how strong his rhythmic battle style was, even giving Sawyer a run for his money during the Kalos League. To be honest, I was hoping him and Ash could have one final battle before or during the League, but it is what it is. Still, Tierno proved to be a good rival at the very least. Number 6. Morrison. This is definitely going to raise some eyebrows. Eric, how could you rank Morrison this high? He was only Ash's rival for the Hoenn League and nothing else. That's true, but I actually did like Morrison a lot as a character. He was loud, hot-headed, and over-competitive about almost everything. Seriously, him and Ash competed about every little thing possible, which yeah, sounds annoying, but it was hilarious. Besides, he finally gave Ash that competitive nature he was lacking all throughout Hoenn, and to be fair, the two developed a strong bond despite their differences. And just like Ash, Morrison was shown to be very ballsy and unpredictable when battling. Speaking of which, another reason why Morrison is ranked this high is because of his battle with Ash. At first, Morrison couldn't accept the fact that he had to battle with one of his friends, which took a heavy toll on him during the beginning of the battle. But thankfully, Ash was able to get Morrison back to his senses, and the two started battling on more equal terms. I feel like this moment is very underrated because it really shows how much Ash deeply cares for Morrison, and he wants to see him battle as absolute best. And at the same time, Morrison does value friendship more than anything. Honestly, if Morrison was treated more like a main rival and showed up throughout Hoenn, then maybe he would have earned a spot higher. Number 5, Gladion. Starting off the top 5, we have Alola's Edgelord, Gladion. You guys know Gladion is my favorite rival from the Gen 7 games, so I was excited to finally see him appear in the anime, because he was the perfect character to give the Sun and Moon series some much needed dark and edginess. Compared to the games, Gladion remains the same for the most part, except he's not much of a dickhead. <laughs> All thanks to Ash, who he slowly gained respect towards. Despite him constantly getting involved in his family drama, he began to see Ash as not only a worthy rival, but also a friend. In fact, it was Ash who inspired Gladion to complete the Island Challenge, because he too yearns to be a powerful trainer, and the two would often work together well during any Ultra Guardian missions. 
Eventually, these two found themselves facing each other in the finals of the first ever Lola League, and even though Gladion lost, Ash reminded him how fun battling can be, and not to take everything too seriously. That's pretty much the whole reason why Gladion is ranked this high. He started off as an edgelord that was blinded by his own family issues, to a more kind and open-minded person, especially in Journeys, where he, Lily, and Lusamine not only reunited with Moan, but he also caught a shiny Nihiligo, the same kind of Ultra Beast that caused him and his family so much trauma. Again, very poetic. Gladion is a devoted older brother, and was without a doubt a great rival, which is why he deserves a spot this high. Number 4. Alon. It goes without saying that Alon is not only one of Ash's best rivals, but his strongest rival, period. Before I elaborate on that, here's what makes Alon different compared to other rivals. In my opinion, Alon feels more like a secondary protagonist than a rival, thanks to the four-part Mega Evolution specials, each part gives us more insight about Lon and his motives. He was originally one of Professor Sycamore's research assistants, who dreams of being the strongest trainer. So he left with his Charizard to defeat every Mega Evolved Pokemon he comes across. Along the way, he met Lysander, who needed Alon's help to collect Mega Evolution energy, which, according to him, he was going to use to make the world a better place. Throughout the miniseries, we got to see Alon take on strong opponents, especially in Part 4, where he managed to beat 10 Mega Evolved Pokemon in a row! including Elite Four member Malva and her Mega Houndoom. That was insane! Alon's arc continued in XYZ where he met Ash and saw him and his Greninja as worthy rivals. In fact, it was Ash who inspired Alon to compete in the Kalos League, knowing that would be the perfect time to sell things. Before that, we got to see Alon take down Zygarde in his 50% form with ease, and during the league, he swept most of the competition like it was nothing. Just ask Trevor. <laughs> The final battle between Ash and Alon was the deciding factor on who would win the Kalos League, and even though Ash lost, you can't deny how epic that battle was. Besides, I think Alon deserved it more given all the shit he went through. Unpopular opinion, I know. This soon led to the Team Flare arc, where Alon finally realized his mistakes, and thanks to Ash, Alon was able to stop Lysander and put an end to Team Flare. Afterwards, he resumed his role as being Professor Sycamore's pupil. To be honest, I was originally going to rank Alon much higher on my list, until we got to see him return in Pokemon Journeys. At first, it was amazing because he was part of the Masters 8, but my god, they disrespected the fuck out of him! It's bad enough that we didn't get that long-away rematch between him and Ash, but they put him against Leon, in the first round! Granted, that sounds like an epic battle, except they nerfed Alon to the point where all of his Pokemon, including his Mega Charizard X, get one or two shot by Leon's Pokemon, Remember all those accomplishments Alon had in X and Y? Well, none of that shit matters in Journeys, apparently. And I get it, they wanted to showcase how OP Leon was, but that was going overboard, man. Despite getting treated very, very poorly in Journeys, I still think Alon is a great character and deserves to be in the top 5. Number 3, Gary. At third place, we have the OG Ash rival, Gary Oak. My god. It doesn't get more nostalgic than talking about these two, assuming that he grew up watching the original series. As we know, Ash and Gary started their journeys around the same time, but there is a difference. Gary was always, and I repeat, always one step ahead of Ash, especially when it came to catching Pokemon or collecting gym badges. Gary was so prideful in his achievements that he always belittled Ash, even refusing to battle him because he assumed it would be a waste of time. Sadly, Gary's ego got the better of him when he found himself ranking lower than Ash during the Indigo League. Thankfully in Johto, we got to see Gary go through some much-needed development. 
by acting more friendly and supportive towards Ash, but he did act snarky sometimes. This all led to their epic battle in the Johto League. If you recall, this battle was ranked number 1 when I listed my favorite Ash Ketchum battles, and can you blame me? Not only did it have a great buildup, but it was the deciding factor on which these two from Palatown was the better trainer. It was long, intense, and in the end, Ash won. This led to Gary not only respecting Ash, but to follow his grandfather's footsteps in becoming a Pokemon professor. This turned out to be a great idea because Gary's character changed completely. No longer was he that egotistical snob from Kanto, but he's more kind, mature, and wiser than ever before. Okay, he still acts like a snob sometimes, but it's more of a playful matter, as shown in the Battle Frontier, Diamond and Pearl, and even in Journeys where he becomes a chaser for Project Mew. Hell, they even made Gary a rival slash motivator for Go. It was so great to see Gary still be an influence after all these years, and even though Gary's no longer interested in competing in leagues, or by extension, the PWC, he's still a powerful trainer. For example, defeating Ash, who had just overcame the Cancel Battle Frontier, and even holding his own against legendaries like Moltres and Reggie Drago. However, with all these pros, there's one reason why I can't rank Gary any higher, and it's quite simple. Ash and Gary barely had any battles during the OG series. I'm not joking, their first battle technically was during the end of the Orange Islands arc, and they didn't battle again until the Johto League. If Ash and Gary had more battles throughout Kanto, or even in Johto, he honestly would have been the best rival. Nonetheless, Gary deserves to be in the top 3. Number 2. Sawyer In second place, we have another beloved rival from X and Y, arguably Ash's best Kalos rival, Sawyer. I absolutely love Sawyer and his role in X and Y. Unlike other rivals, Sawyer was a complete noob who saw Ash as a role model and yearned to be just like him. Already this guy gets extra points because we never had a rival who idolized Ash before. And you can tell Sawyer was a noob on account of how many times he lost to Ash. But this actually worked in Sawyer's favor because he wrote down everything he learned from his battles in a notebook that was autographed by Steven Stone. In fact, Sawyer was originally from Hoenn which explains why he has Trico as a starter. Things get more intense when Sawyer managed to get his 8th gym badge before Ash and he finally beat him in a battle. By then, Sawyer was no longer Ash's junior, but rather his equal, and to an extent, his superior. Basically, Sawyer became a huge threat for Ash to win the Kalos League, and that was fucking awesome. We even got to see Sawyer pull up big brain tactics during his battle with Tierno, especially when he revealed he had a Mega Ring and Keystone for his Sceptile, but all his skills were put to the test where he once again faced Ash in the semifinals. At this point, Sawyer studied all of Ash's tactics and fighting styles, making him more of a threat than ever before. However, Sawyer learned that all of his data couldn't save him from Ash's unpredictability, and lost. Still, it was one of the greatest battles I've ever seen, and even though Sawyer lost, there's no denying how impactful he was. Going from this weak and pathetic nerd to a strong and competent person, at the end of X and Y, Sawyer became Steven's assistant and presumably followed his footsteps, which I think is the perfect way to end Sawyer's arc. Yeah, it kinda sucks that we may not see him battle Ash again, but it is what it is. Maybe another reason why I like Sawyer so much is because he more or less felt like Wally from the Gen 3 games. Hey, I'm not complaining. And ironically, Wally was ranked number 2 when I ranked the rivals from the Pokemon games. And Sawyer is ranked number 2 on this list. Totally didn't do this on purpose or anything. <laughs> Sawyer could have easily made the number 1 spot for me, but we all know who really deserves it. Number 1. Paul. The best rival Ash has ever had is Paul. Hands down. This shouldn't be a shock to anyone because Paul is not only one of Ash's greatest rivals, but he's one of the best written characters throughout the series. First off, 
they made it pretty apparent that this guy was the complete opposite of Ash. We all know that Ash believes that with enough training and love, any Pokemon can be strong. But then we get introduced to Paul, who's all like, yeah, fuck that. Strength is what only matters. This sparked a conflict between the two, as they kept battling throughout Diamond Pearl to see which ideology is better. Another driving factor was Chimchar, who Paul released because he thought he was too weak, which provoked Ash to take him under his wing. Sadly, Ash kept losing to Paul time after time, showing that his methods, while ruthless, do have their merits. It's only a few times do we see Paul get scolded for how he treats his Pokemon, especially when he got his ass handed to him by Cynthia and Brandon. It was at those moments we got to see Paul slowly open up to Ash, emphasis on slowly, because he was still an asshole. After Paul completely dominated Ash during their Lake Acuity battle, they decided to settle things at the Sinnoh League quarterfinals. This battle was important because this was Ash's last chance to prove to Paul, and more importantly himself, that his methods were right all along. It wasn't easy. Oh no, not by a long shot. But in the end, Ash was finally able to beat Paul, and the Pokemon that made it possible was Infernape. Doesn't get more poetic than that. It was at that moment, Paul finally respected Ash, and the two were able to leave on good terms. In Journeys, Paul returned after being absent for so long. And I gotta say, his return was fucking perfect. No longer was he the same asshole we saw from Diamond and Pearl. This time, Paul has become much more caring and considerate towards his Pokemon. Okay, he's not on the same level as Ash, but you can definitely tell he's become a better person. What solidifies this was the fact that Paul went over to Oak's lab to help Ash train for the Masters 8 tournament. That was awesome! Yeah, it sucks that he decided not to compete in the PWC, but I don't care. I was just so happy to see Paul finally change after all these years. And the icing on the cake? Paul was even invited by the Pokemon League committee to be a gym leader. Yeah, I guarantee you nobody saw that shit coming. Because Paul tested Ash's motives and went through one of the best developments I've seen is why I think he's the best rival Ash has ever had, and I don't think we'll ever get anyone who impacted Ash the same way he did. And those are Ash's rivals ranked from worst to best. It's obvious that some rivals were treated great, while others, not so much. But they do all have one thing in common, and that's pushing Ash to his absolute limits, which is what a rival is supposed to do. It's hard to think if Ash will even have a rival for the Gen 9 anime, because in all honesty, how many more rivals does this guy need? Who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us. But until then, how would you rank Ash's rivals? Tell us in our Discord server, and follow us on Instagram, at Geeks Crossing. Continue to support us on all major listening platforms, whether that be Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, or whatever platform you're using right now. If you want more geeky content, head over to Twitch and check out Eman the Legendary, which is also my YouTube channel, Nuclear Bacons, Cryptolot Games, and Carabyte. Also, tell your friends and family about us, especially the Pokemon fans you know. Thank you for listening, and stay true to your geek selves.